Our God is a missionary God, and we are His missionary people. You're listening to The Scent Life, the official podcast of the Center for Great Commission Studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. The greatest story ever told is that the creator of the universe loved me and you enough uh, to send his son so that we could be made right with him and spend eternity with him. But how does this happen? This week on The Scent Life, we want to unpack, uh, continue to unpack the gospel itself as we explore this season of personal evangelism. So thanks for joining us. And today we want to answer the question, how does a person actually become a Christian? Hey, Keelan, welcome back. Thank you, Scott. It's good to be here. It's great to be here again. This week we've got Dr. Steve McKinnon uh, with us. Uh, Dr. McKinnon is professor of theology here at Southeastern Seminary. Also, he and I wrote a book on personal evangelism, Sharing Jesus Without Freaking Out, uh, the second edition of that book. Uh, and in that book, we really uh, talk about what it, what it is that we as Christians do to intentionally share the gospel with those around us. And so this week, we want to continue a conversation we started last week. Uh, last week, we explored the topic, what does it mean to be a Christian? And uh, this year, we want to take that a step further. Yeah, so before we get too far into that, you just heard Scott talk about their book. If you are listening to this, I'm going to go ahead and plug this out there. The first five of you who reach out to us, we will send you a copy of their book. So it's an excellent resource. I think it'd be a great one if you're in pastoral ministry, particularly in your church. You want to have some quick and good resource to be able to use with folk in your congregation when it comes to this issue of personal evangelism. I think it's a good opportunity to do that. So if you'll reach out to us and you're one of the first five, we'll, we'll gift you with a copy of that that book. So last week we had Dr. McKinnon with us. He was talking about really what is conversion, what is uh, going on in this process, and maybe having a better, a bigger vision, a more biblical vision uh, for the process. And uh, we kind of set some categories on that one. This week we're taking it a step further. And so really our conversation at this point is what happens what is the process, so to speak, of somebody becoming a Christian? Well, thank you for having me back. Uh, it was it was uh, great to be with you last time, and and very good to be back with you. Love what uh, this podcast represents, and Thanks. and the encouragement that it is uh, to those of us who really do desire to live Christianly. And uh, for those like me, uh, you know, as a pastor of a local church, to have a resource like this that I can extend to other people, not just not just students, but uh, other mm-hmm. other. Uh, members of our church uh, to help them in their own journey in living the sent life, mm-hmm. uh, as it were, and becoming personal evangelists. So thank you for having me back. And it, it is exciting to, for me to talk about this, the, the steps, as it were, uh, by which people come to um, participate in the story that we talked about last week, that last week we were able to see what God has done for us in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so how is it? And as a as a pastor, this is a question I get all of the time. How can I be a Christian? Right. Right. How can I become a Christian? Um, and so it's not just people that that I'm trying to live this lifestyle of sharing with them the gospel of Jesus, but also just those that I encounter who uh, you know are, are at church looking and seeking and searching, and they say, "Well, how how can I become a Christian?" The good news is that the Bible gives us a a depiction of what becoming a Christian looks like. And what are those things that are necessary elements to uh, people coming to the place where they participate in this story? And uh, the book of Romans clearly mm. provides a, a, 
uh, kind of a roadmap for us um, in in chapter ten. Mm-hmm. But even before then, it is laid out to us in chapter six that salvation is our being uh, participants in the death right. and the resurrection of Jesus. Mm. And so when we announce that story like we talked about last week, what is happening for someone to actually now embrace that story? And so in Romans 10, you kind of have this picture of you're saved by by trusting in Jesus, but there's a, a whole host of things that have to happen. And it kind of follows in an order, something like this, to paraphrase, is that, first of all, you have to hear this story. Right. That, that people don't just have in their own minds um, or are written on the concrete in front of them the reality that God has in Jesus Christ reconciled them to himself. So they don't, they don't know that they're separated from God. They may not even know that there is a God. They don't know that they have to trust in Jesus in order to be made right with him. So they have to hear this story. Someone has to announce it to them, which is what we've talked about as the evangelist is doing, is helping. But it's not just announcing the reality of the story moving on, because there is then, secondly, this sense of understanding the story. Right. I love what Paul does in Acts 17, where he gets up and he announces the story to all these Athenians who are there, who had no clue, no conception whatsoever of what he was talking about. And he gets to the end of it, and he says, and Jesus was raised from the dead, if you would like to know more, come with me. Right. And then the text says they, they become learners of Paul. And so our, our evangelism is not just our telling somebody what's true, it's also mm-hmm. explaining mm-hmm. it to them. You can't just say to someone, you're a sinner, if they have no idea what sin is. You can't just say there's a God if they have no idea what we mean by God. You can't just say, well, Jesus is alive, and there's, you know, there's no greater name than the name of Jesus. And it's like, well, Who's Jesus? Right. So you right. have to give explanation as well. So there's announcement and expl- explanation that go Very into good. this. Yeah. yeah, and the other thing that evangelism has to be is providing an opportunity for response. Right. So, I mean, when we think about announcing this message and inviting those uh, into relationship with Jesus, you know, the Great Commission, Jesus says that our, you know, our mission is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit— teaching them to observe all that he commanded. So there's a there's a response that we're calling for. And yeah, so I think we exactly want to right. really explore today this responsiveness, this process of what it means to become a Christian. If we're going to be evangelists, the question is, okay, so then what's this journey that we're on with the people, the person that we're sharing the gospel with? So you've talked about hearing the gospel, but Steve, what are some other things that we can say, this is what it takes to become a Christian, what's happening in this journey or this process this, this process of being, being saved. Yeah, it it's begins with an affirmation that this story is the true story. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it's not, this is not just mythology. This is not mm-hmm. just a good way to live. This is not just, uh, you know, kind of universal themes or memes that have come from uh, history that have just endured through all of the ages. There's a sense in which confessing the veracity of the story is an essential part, Romans 10 says, of becoming a Christian— because there, there are facts of what God has done in Jesus, and we have to acknowledge that, that those things are true. And after we've acknowledged the veracity of this story, there then is the embracing of the story, hmm. that we're, we're finding ourselves in the story. Hmm. And this is, this is an important part, both of our evangelism and then ultimately of conversion. It's recognizing the person you thought you were in the story may actually be a different person. Hmm. You may have thought you were the good guy in the story and you were really the bad guy in the story. Right. But most importantly for becoming a Christian, it's recognizing that everything that is said in the story about Jesus 
is now available to you, hmm. that you in Jesus Christ can be righteous, that you can be be pure, you can be blameless. And I love the way that Hebrews tells us that what happens in Jesus is that we are presented before God as being blameless, mm. in a sense in which, as though we have never sinned, right. that this is what happens. So when we when we see the story rightly, we've understood it, and we've recognized that what it says about Jesus is true, then we can find ourselves in the story. We start in the story as, as, as the Adam, we start in the story as Cain. We start in the story as this rebellious man or woman that's, that's, that's to be found there. But because of what God has done in Jesus, we kind of change characters, if you will. Right. Yeah. That, and this is where our conversion happens, when we identify ourselves in Jesus Christ. Mm. And so as Christians, we talk a lot about finding our identity in Jesus, but we kind of just mean that as, well, like you're friends with him or something. But in a, in a theological sense, in a biblical sense, it's saying, I have shared in the death of Jesus and I've shared in his resurrection so that now my life is hidden hmm. in Christ. Right. It's yeah. hidden in him. Yeah, I, I really think we tend to gloss over that in Christ language yeah. too much nowadays in the way that we conceive of this. Because right. you're right, I, I think when we talk about identifying with Jesus— um, it's kind of like being a fan of him, so right, to speak, yeah. right? Like I'm a really yeah. big fan of Jesus because he did something big for me. But and you you talked about Romans six earlier, this idea that like we are participants in that death and we are participants in that resurrection, right? Like we are crucified with Christ, uh, and so that idea is really just this participation in that work as well. And so we take on that identity. It's more than just I really like what he did for me. That's right. It's now my fate is bound in his fate. That's right. And that kind of affirmation is that, that next step in the, in the process, if you will, that what's happening with our conversion, with our becoming Christians, is that once we have acknowledged the story to be true and we've found ourselves in the story as the center to begin with and then affirming, essentially we're saying what God says about me is true. Mm-hmm. And before... We're not saying that what God says about me is true, because what God says about us is, if you are in Christ, you're a new creation, yes. that you have new life, that you're my child, that you're my worshiper, that you participate in my life. And so fundamentally, we have to say, that's true. And I do find my identity there, and I now am not going to call God a liar anymore. Hmm. And this is, this is the book of First John, right? So First right. John says that if we say that we're still separated from him, well, first of all, if we say that we're not a sinner, we make him a liar. So we have to identify ourselves as a sinner in the story. And then as a Christian, if we say, no, no, I'm not right with him, then we make him a liar. Mm-hmm. Because he said, right. if you've trusted in Jesus, you're right with me. So we, we find ourselves as that person in the story. And there is this sense of, of confession of this being true. Mm-hmm. And so it's not that we get an exchange from God, right? It's not God says, now, if you'll say something, I'll give you something in return. It's that God's saying, in Jesus Christ, I have uh, affected your salvation, and the way that you receive that salvation is to receive Jesus, to partake of me, to, re- to, to uh, believe and to receive, place your faith in Jesus. So by not placing our faith in him, we make God a liar, mm-hmm. um, make him out as one who says, no, wait, well, hold on, mm-hmm. I've provided redemption for you, and it's, well, I'm going to reject that. Mm-hmm. So if we can help people to understand that in order to become a Christian, 
they have to know what the story is and understand the story. They have to uh, affirm the veracity of what the Bible is telling us about ourselves and about God and about uh, his purposes for us, and then to identify ourselves in Jesus. That's the confession that he talks about in Romans. And we have to get to that place where we make confession. Mm. And we are confessing to be true in our lives what God has done in Jesus. And therefore, we're participating in his death and his resurrection yeah. from the dead, which means we also participate in his ascension. Right. And so we say, as, as Paul tells us, put your mind on things that are above where Christ is because your life is already hidden in him. That's right, yeah. We are already in Christ. Mm-hmm. And there's this sense then is that heaven is the place where Jesus is and we're hidden in him. But in, as the book of Revelation tells us then, he comes back down, mm-hmm. yeah. and we come with him. Mm-hmm. I love this in the book of Revelation, that our, our ul- the ultimate work of God is not to get more people into heaven, but to bring heaven here yeah. To, yeah. to earth. And so we, we, as it were, we go to heaven in order to come back yep. and to live in this place that he's established with us forever. And that's a story we want people, by trusting in Jesus Christ, affirming what's said about him and his work is true, to then trust for him to accomplish in their lives what he has already accomplished himself. Yeah. So in a, in a famous Bible verse like John three sixteen, right, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish. And so this to believe in him is this accepting of the story, the position, the work that's being done. This is what it means to believe. Yeah, and it seems that that a part of the backdrop to this passage in John 3.16 is in Psalm chapter 2, right. where we have this son who is the only begotten son of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, at the very end of Psalm 2, it's this wonderful um, admonition that says, don't rebel against the son anymore so that you perish. Right. right. If you rebel against him, then you perish. Instead, kiss the son or mm-hmm. worship the son. So that believing or having faith or worshiping is the sense of not just saying, well, yes, I I believe what he says is true. It's important. We Mm -hmm. have to do that. We have to affirm that what he says is true. But is our saying, I'm going to turn my life toward him as a worshiper, no longer as an idolater, but as a worshiper. And I'm going to receive from him this work which he has done. And that's what the, the believing is in John 3.16. Hmm. It's, it's not like an easy believism that just says, well, I believe that Jesus really is, that, you know, died for me and that he was raised from the dead and all. Like, that, that's country music Christianity, right? Yeah, I mean, right. everybody believes right. that. It is instead to say, not only do I believe that those things are true, but I'm going to turn my life over to him. Mm, Not just give my allegiance to him, but give my life to him. Mm -hmm. And my my past, my present, my future all belong to him, and it's going to be hidden in him. And if God doesn't hide me in Jesus, I will perish. And that's what it means to believe in him. So the call of the evangelist is the announcement of this message we talked about last week. I'm announcing what God has done in Christ Jesus. I'm reminding uh, the world, reminding the people or the person I'm talking to, this is not who you are, but you can be. And then I'm leading them into this belief. So what is the, what would you give advice uh, for those who are sharing the gospel? What am I saying? I don't want to just end my um, evangelistic presentation or conversation with someone and say, now look, you go think about this. And if something strikes you in the middle of the night, get up and do something about it. I need to do something else. 
So what am I, what am I as a faithful evangelist uh, with a robust understanding of the gospel doing? What, what are we calling on someone to do? Some kind of practical handles. Yeah, and some of it depends on where the, your conversation has gone with them. Where, where we want to end up is, would you like to have your life hidden in Jesus? Mm. Hmm. which could be, there are a variety of ways you can get there. Would you like to be raised in Christ? Would you like to be resurrected? Would you like to uh, die to the old self and be raised to Christ? Would you like to become a worshiper of God? So some of it depends on how that conversation has gone, where you've identified what it is that they are missing in their understanding of their relationship with God. So let's say, for example, to say to someone, would you like to be raised to new life in Christ? And they say, I would really like that. That's a very good sign that they would really yeah. like for that to happen. So then you, so then it's, okay, well, how do you think that happens? And it's not, well, if I do such and such. It's No, no, no. The way it happens is you're in Christ. So then you have to ask, how is it then that you are in Christ? And is I trust in him. I give my life over to him. I not just acknowledge the truthfulness of what he's done and what he's promised, but now I give myself over to it. I turn my life over to him. And so in, if, if you were to say to someone, uh, would you like to become a worshiper of God? And they say, I would really like to be a worshiper of this God, the one true God, um, the, the God of the Bible who is at work in Christ, reconciling them to himself. And they say, well, how can I do that? And you say, you can be made right with the Son, mm-hmm. that you can be made right with Jesus. And by doing that, you become a worshiper of God. The, the, the main way in which uh, the question is answered in the Great Commission is that you become a learner, right. a disciple, a learner of Jesus. And what we have to be confident in, and, and for some of us this can be difficult for us to be confident in this, but we have to be confident that our conversion is something that God does. Yeah. And while there, there are instances when it's, when it's wonderful for us to say to someone, why not right now let's sit and acknowledge who you are in Jesus and let's pray this prayer of confession and repentance and that sort of thing, all, which is a fabulous thing, that we also have to be confident in God's work of conversion, that if someone says, I really want what you're describing and I want that to be true in my life, that God's the one who accomplishes the work, and the step that we ask him to do is, well, then follow Jesus. Then yeah. come be a learner of him. And, and that means more than just you go off and be a learner of Jesus. I like the way you put that before. We don't just say, well, you know, go pray about it and hope it all works out. That being a learner of Jesus, a disciple, means that you're brought into the body of Christ. Yeah, that's right. And so I'd really like to become a Christian. Well, come on, here we go. But if you're unwilling to walk with them, in their movement into discipleship and beyond discipleship, I'm not so sure that you've understood what evangelism really is. Because someone becoming a Christian is not simply them having their sins forgiven so they can go to heaven. It is them being born into this new family, into the body of Christ, in the community. And you can't live Christianly outside of that community of faith. It's what God does for us in Jesus is to uh, bring us into this family. So we need to invite people. Join the family. Come, yeah. come in. And by doing that, we're confident in God's converting work. Mm-hmm. Well, and see, one of the things you're saying there that I think is really profound, uh, all of the things that you just called them to are continual things. Like there's a continuity Always. to that. It's not an, like an action in the moment that I can kind of check off as yeah. having accomplished. And so when I was, so when I served in Africa as a missionary, uh, it was 
frequent that the context that I found myself in were people that had a real kind of high view of witchcraft, right? Mm-hmm. And there was this understanding of uh, manipulating and placating the spiritual mm-hmm. world through some form of ritual, yeah. right? And so there's this action that I can do that will manipulate or twist the arm, so to speak, of some spiritual force to right. give me health, wealth, prosperity, whatever I'm after here. And we use completely different language here. Yep. But there are times when the way we call people in evangelism um, or in a church service or, or whatever the context may be, toward faith in Christ, it almost feels mm-hmm. like here's this ritual Upon doing this ritual, you will have now manipulated yep. Jesus yep. to give you the thing you're after. Yep. And, and there really is this sense in which then salvation is placating some God mm-hmm. who has given you a list of tasks to perform, and if you perform them well enough, whether they be religious tasks or moral mm-hmm. tasks, that you will gain something in return for this, um, which is the antithesis of the Christian gospel— um, and the, the sense of relationship with God, as opposed to religious ritual or even moral perfection. Our, our problem is not that we're not religious enough or not ritualistic enough or that we have the wrong rituals or that we don't do them well enough. It is that the rituals that we perform aren't the means to our right relationship with God. Right. And so it's not—the same thing's true then with our moral problems. This is the book of Romans as it relates to Jews and Gentiles, that that Jews thought their problem was, well, I just need to be more ritual um, because if I get it all right, like, man, I I forgot to wash my hands one time, so Mm -hmm. I make sure I get that the right way, and I've got to follow all these things. And then the Gentiles, as as Paul is addressing it in Romans, they thought their their problem was, well, I have all this moral indiscretion. And it's like, well, see, neither of those is your problem. It's not that you're not ritualistic enough or religious enough, and it's not that you're not uh, righteous enough in your deeds. It's that you have the wrong kind of righteousness, Mm. that you need the righteousness from God, and that's made available to you as you trust in him, not as you do something in exchange for that. You, You receive from him this free offer by affirming what is true and identifying yourself with uh, Christ, and then confessing that what God has said about you in Christ is true, and now you receive from Him His work. You're not exchanging something for it. Yeah, so that's that's profoundly helpful. Hmm. Uh, as we dig into the rest of this, Steve, I want to thank you for being with thank us you. for the last couple of episodes here. I think this is a great foundation for us as we move into talking more practical matters about how do you evangelize, why is it important to evangelize, some of those. Uh, different things that we're going to get into this season, I think this really is a, a good base for us to work from. And as I've been listening today to our conversation, one of the things that just is uh, impressed on me is how miraculous this is. Mm-hmm. The gospel and what it does to a person's heart and soul, is um, it's a miracle. It's yeah. absolutely miraculous. And I think that is the kind of understanding of the Christian gospel that actually fuels good evangelism. And so I hope for you, if you've been listening, this has been uh, the same kind of realization, that this is a good place for you to begin our journey as we talk through what it means for us to be faithful to this task that we've been called of evangelizing 
the nations. Uh, thanks for joining us uh, again for this episode of The Scent Life. Uh, as always, we're going to ask that you feel free to share it with others. Uh, feel free to push it out on social media, and you can find us wherever you're looking for your podcasts. Thanks again for joining. Thanks again for joining.